Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Are we actively engaged as part of the Jesus community? Do we delight in remembering the Jesus sacrifice? Do we look forward to those opportunities where I can just go and I can just think about what the Lord did for me? Now, I know it's a busy, crazy world that we live in. And I know there are a billion distractions for all of us. But you know, there comes a time and a place where we've got to shut stuff out. And we have to just sit and think about the Lord. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, in a message titled, The Jesus People. Now, here's Pastor Brian. You see, it's through Jesus that God has become our Father. So it's through Jesus that we have this access to God. Now, We as Jesus people, we have guaranteed access to God. We have the promise that when we pray, God hears us. Paul the Apostle, speaking of that, he said this. He said, in Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence. And then he went on and he said, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says it's through him that we have this confidence that I I can access God and therefore I bow my knee. Paul prays with confidence knowing that he has entered into this privilege of being able to have access to God. Hebrews chapter four tells us that we, through our great high priest, we can now come boldly before the throne of grace. So they gathered together told the Jesus story to one another, lived out the Jesus lifestyle, experienced the Jesus sacrifice together, and exercised the Jesus privilege together by praying. Do we do that? Do we take advantage of that? Now, again, all of this is done collectively as we see. One of the things that's happened in our Christian experience these days is the overemphasis on the individual part of it. Now, it's wonderful that we have an individual aspect to our relationship with God, right? I I mean, of course, that's a huge thing. But it sometimes is emphasized to the point where we fail to recognize that I am, yes, individually loved by God and I'm saved by him as an individual person and I have I have direct individual access to him, but I am also part of a body. I'm part of a family. I'm part of something bigger than just me. And if I, if I never connect with that, I am actually going to miss out on a huge part of what being a Christian is really all about. You can't really enter into the fullness or experience the fullness of the Christian life on your own. It's, it's not intended to be that way. It's intended that we experience it together. And so they prayed, of course, all of them undoubtedly, like all of us would do, they prayed by themselves. And thank God we do that. And we can do that. And we ought to do that. But they prayed together. 
And they came together and they understood that as we come together and exercise this privilege of prayer, God is listening to us. We're his people and we're praying for one another. And again, when we're together, we know what to pray for, for one another. It's so uh, important that we know what's happening in people's lives so we can pray. But if we're not together, we won't be able to even know how to pray. So this amazing privilege of prayer, if we forget that it is to also happen in the context of us gathering collectively, we can miss out on that privilege. But this is who they were. They were, as I said, they were the Jesus people telling the Jesus story, living the Jesus lifestyle, and experiencing the, the Jesus sacrifice and, and exercising the Jesus privilege. So here's the question that we all have to ask ourselves. Are we one of those kind of people? Do, do we see ourselves as the Jesus people? Or would other people look on and say, yeah, you know, yeah, those are the Jesus people. And they might not agree with us, but they say, well, you know, they, they're the Jesus people and they're obsessed with the Jesus story. And, you know, they kind of live the Jesus lifestyle too. Is that how we are portraying ourselves? And, and really, unless we just genuinely are the Jesus people, we won't be portrayed as the Jesus people. We might be seen as religious people. We might be seen as self-righteous people. We might be seen as the religious right or something like that. But you know, if, if our focus is really on Jesus, if we're really more identified with the Jesus people, you know, people even on the outside, they, they see a difference. They understand that there's a distinction. And so are we... The Jesus people. Do we love the Jesus story? Is this a story that I, I want to hear over and over and I want to know more and more about it? Or is it something that I just say, oh yeah, I heard that story already. That's, that's great. Now let's move on to something else. No, if we really understand who Jesus is, like, like C.S. Lewis said, you know, we can't ha have a moderate interest in it. If we really understand who Jesus is, we're going to want to know more and more and more about the story. You see, the Gospels give us the account of the life and, and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus, but there's so much more that, that is connected to it. And that's what the New Testament letters are about. They apply it. They tell us the significance of it. They tell us things like God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So that when Jesus, we read in Matthew, when Jesus is crucified, this is what's happening. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing our trespasses to us, not holding us accountable for our sins, but transferring our sins onto Jesus so we could be forgiven of our sins. And so these are the kinds of things that the Jesus story goes deeper and deeper into these things. Are we actively engaged as part of the Jesus community? Like I said a minute ago, you're not intended to live your, your life as a Christian independent of other believers. 
You have to be engaged. Are we part of the Jesus community? Look at the things that it says here and think about how could this even happen? Of course, it couldn't happen if you just sought to go alone in, in your Christian life. You, you know, we read here about all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions or goods, divided them among all as anyone had need, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity in heart, praising God. See, it's, it's a family. And so that's why we encourage you to engage, to, to be involved, to, it's wonderful that you're here on Sundays, but there's other gatherings that are important to be a part of. And so are we actively engaged as part of the Jesus community? Do we delight in remembering the Jesus sacrifice? Do we look forward to those opportunities where I can just go and I can just think about what the Lord did for me? Now, I know it's a busy, crazy world that we live in. And I know there are a billion distractions for all of us, but you know, there comes a time and a place where we've got to shut stuff out and we have to just sit and think about the Lord. And one of the great things to think on is what he's done for us. And you know, that's why we take the first Wednesday of every month and we just set it aside just for that very purpose. We set it aside just to focus on the sacrifice of Jesus and to think about it and to sing with one another about it and to pray it into our lives because that's what Jesus' people do. And then are we taking advantage of the Jesus privilege? Are we praying with the people of Jesus for the kingdom of Jesus to come in all places in our lives, in the church and in the world where it is excluded. And if we're not doing this stuff, then there's two possible things. Either we've just never had an experience ourselves that would bring us to this place where we just see Jesus as so magnificent that we can't do anything but be a Jesus person. Or we have had that experience, but we have forgotten about how profound it actually was. So, so it's, it's one of those two things. These people that we're reading about here, they had an experience that brought them to this place. See, something profound happened in each one of them that, that caused them to be part of this thing that we're reading about here. Now, remember the context. These people that we're reading about who did this, who devoted themselves to this, these people were not from Jerusalem, at least the majority of them. They were from all over the world. They were in Jerusalem for a feast. They were there temporarily. They were like on a holiday. But something so profound happened to them they delayed their return home and they stayed and they engaged themselves in this community. And I'm sure that many of them did this for a season to just saturate themselves in it so that when they went back to their own country, that they could see a similar thing develop. I'm sure they did that. But that's the context. So here's the question. How did they all get to this place? What was it that moved them 
to become part of this thing that was happening. And the passage that we read today, verse 37 tells us how they got to this place. And let me read from verse 36. It says, therefore, Peter's, Peter's speaking to them. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now here's the key. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. See, this is what happened. They heard the Jesus story that Peter proclaimed to them and they were cut to the heart. The word means that they were stabbed in the heart or they were pierced in their heart. So what happened? They heard Peter preaching and they realized Jesus is the Messiah. Now they had come to Pentecost. This is 50 days after uh, the Lord had risen from the dead. It's 10 days after he's ascended back into heaven. There's all kinds of stories around Jerusalem about this Jesus of Nazareth person. And there's all kinds of curiosity in the minds of people about who he actually was. And of course, some would have said that he was a false prophet and that's why he was justly condemned and put to death. And others would say, no, he wasn't a false prophet. He was a true prophet. And there would have been people that would, would have been healed by Jesus there, undoubtedly. So all of this would have been happening. And then Peter, because the Holy Spirit is poured out and this miraculous thing goes on, Peter stands up and he begins to preach. And they suddenly come to the realization of who Jesus is. Jesus is the Messiah. And so they are cut to the heart. They realize that they have rejected, that they have put to death the one that God sent to save them. And so what happens here is simultaneously they see their own wickedness, but they also see the glory and the beauty of Christ. And they turn to him. And so this is something that is so impactful. It is so life-changing that they're never going to forget it. And this is the thing that brings them into these gatherings where I want to hear that story over and over and over again. I want to be with these people that we share all of this in common. I, I want to think about that unbelievable sacrifice that, that Jesus made for me. I, I want to be with these people to pray to our God now together to see his work and to, and to see this message go. You know, it was like a, a person who discovered a cure for cancer or something. You know, somebody who discovers a cure for cancer, if that ever happens, you know, they're not gonna sit on their hands and just keep it to themselves, right? They're gonna go out and tell the world. And that's what's happened to these people. That's how they become the Jesus people because Jesus radically impacted their lives and there was no doubt about it. So this is the question, has that happened to us? Now, if it hasn't happened, then by all means, may, may it happen today. May you realize. But again, like I said, let me just take for a second. You know, we live in such a world that is so filled with distraction. It's hard to even get the time to think sometimes. But, but it's good to do that. It's necessary to do that. Because everything around us is sort of 
it's almost like geared to just keep us from thinking about the, the real questions in life, about the deeper things, about, you know, the reality of, of, of whether there's a God. But, you know, when you, when you stop and you ponder it, and, and it can be something so simple and so easily done as, you know, look at the moon or look at the stars up in the sky and just think, well, how, you know, how did all this happen? How, how did this get here? And, and, you know, scientists now, even though there's, you know, all kinds of atheism in the culture and, you know, scientists generally claim to be atheists, they, they have to admit there are certain things that they just cannot possibly explain why the universe is fine-tuned. How come everything seems to be so precisely put together as to provide for the opportunity for life as we know it? And if anything just changed in the slightest degree, we couldn't experience life as we know it. If the sun was just any closer to the earth or any further away, no possibility of life. So as they see all of this stuff, some of them actually decide, well, there must be a God. And, you know, some of them become deists. They, they recognize, okay, there, there is a, a God who's designed everything. They don't necessarily put their faith in Jesus. There was a man named Anthony Flew who was a, a well-known atheist for decades and decades. He was kind of the atheist atheist. And later in his life, as he began to consider this fine-tuning of the universe, he decided that he could no longer be an atheist. Even though he had trained successive generations of atheists. And the, the, the younger atheist thought, well, of course, he went senile. He lost his mind. But he denied losing his mind. He said, no, I haven't lost my mind at all. But when I began to understand this, this fine tuning, he said, I always had a conviction that I was going to follow the evidence wherever it led. And this evidence leads me to believe that there is a God, that this thing we know as the universe that we live in could not by chance come together in this way. But let me take it one step further. This God came to earth as a man because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and all things were made through him and nothing was made without him and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So this is where it just gets super, just amazing. Now, now these people in Jerusalem, this is the kind of thing that, that hits them. This is what dawns on them as Peter is preaching. That this Jesus is the Lord. This Jesus who died on a cross is the Lord. He rose from the dead. This is the reality. You can't have a moderate response to this. You're, you're, if you believe it, you're all in. You become a Jesus person. That's what they did. So... Again, question to us as we close, have we had that experience? Now, if you haven't, you can. You need to recognize that you have sinned against this God and you're accountable to him. And that will bring great anxiety, but know that he's already taken care of the sin. So you see, with them, it was a deep conviction of their own wickedness. Peter tells them, you by wicked hands have crucified and slain. It was a deep conviction of their own wickedness, but at the same time, it was the recognition 
of the glory and the beauty of the Savior. But let me just say this to those that maybe you've had this experience, but yet you find that the the greatness of that initial experience has, has sort of faded over time. And this does happen, doesn't it? How is it that we could, we could have such a profound experience and come to know the Lord, but that as, as time passes, it, it sort of fades and we grow hardened and we grow cold and we grow dull in our hearts? Well, it happens. And if it has happened, then the only way to remedy it is to recognize it's happened, to go back and to remember those realities and to ask God to renew us again. You know, there's always the danger, and the scripture uses this term, there's the danger of the heart growing dull. And it, goes, it grows dull when I neglect these things, when I'm no longer excited about the Jesus story, when I'm no longer really engaging or, or care to so much engage with the Jesus community, or I, I'm, I'm no longer moved by the Jesus sacrifice or I'm no longer believing in the Jesus privilege of prayer. My heart is, is growing hard. So I've got to go back and just have all of this renewed. And you know, it's just a simple, Lord, forgive me. It's a, it's a simple piercing of the heart. To, you know, sometimes the, the recognition is the piercing of the heart itself. That leads to then the engagement with Jesus. And so... Today, I just am challenging all of us, and I'm included in the challenge. I'm not exempted from any of this stuff. Are we Jesus people, really? Is Jesus the center of our lives, truly? Can we say with Paul the Apostle, for me to live is Christ? That's what life is, Christ. Now, there were other things in Paul's life. He had a job. He made tents. He did other things, but... but for him, ultimately, at the end of the day, life was about Christ. And is that true with us? If that's true with us, then we will manifestly be Jesus' people. If that's not true, then we need to make the adjustment to make it true. Because this is the one thing. If Christianity is false, it's of no consequence. If it's true, it is of infinite importance. What it cannot possibly be is anything moderate. And so God help us to be in that place where having been pricked in our hearts, having been pierced in our hearts, we are moved to that place of devotion to Christ. Now, let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So, Brian, we're offering a book from our good friend, Charlie Campbell. Yes, Charlie Campbell is the director of Always Be Ready, which is an apologetics ministry. And one we recommend a lot. Yeah, we recommend it a lot. And this is a one-minute answer to skeptics. Now, Charlie has done this book, and this is like a revised version 
answering 50 of the top objections and questions, kind of current things. You know, things change over time. There are different arguments and things. And what I like about this book is it's it's an updated current addressing a lot of the things that people are kind of throwing out there today as their objections to Christianity. And some of the topics that Charlie covers in this is why doesn't God just appear to us in a public setting and prove he exists? Or the New Testament authors, did they steal details of Jesus' life story from other ancient religions? This is what some skeptics say. Or that the God of the Old Testament commanded the Israelites to commit genocide. Or that the Bible condoned slavery. So these are real issues in our society today. And Charlie tells you a biblical answer for these things. And it's great. Yep. So... Great little one-minute answer to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. That's our offer for this month. Again, this month's resource is a book titled One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. You can order the book One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, and then click on the Donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell to help equip you to defend the faith. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.